Hello, I'm Glenn Southam and welcome to a special episode of the Lonely Marketers podcast. This episode is the audio version of our Lunch and Learns, which we titled Midday Musings. We speak with specialists in different areas of recruitment marketing to give you practical insight, tips and advice that you can implement straight away to boost your marketing activity and hopefully increase your knowledge. If you'd like to watch a replay of the Crowdcast with all of the chat and the lovely faces of myself and my guests, then the links are in the show notes. Hope you enjoy and learn something new. Keep marketing. Right. Now I've got the note that we are live and recording. So take take that drink. You needed that, Kim. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Um, thank you for everyone who's joining in. I can see there's people um, joining every, every couple of seconds at the moment. So appreciate you coming to uh, this latest midday musings i feel like i'm on the um i'm on the i'm on the home straight of doing these i, I wasn't expecting uh one the amount of work that goes in uh, but two the the involvement of everyone being involved so thank you in advance for that um today we are talking about rebrands and i'm happy slash delighted to be joined by uh kim pasto from lhi hi kim um so uh, Kim works for works for LHI. They're a, a multi-brand recruitment business. Um, they weren't when she started, uh, but I'll let Kim do a, do an intro to herself and, and the business. So over to you, Kim. Cool. Thanks, Glenn. Um, thanks for having me as well. So I just want to say, like, the Lonely Marketers has been so brilliant. And although I can't keep up with the WhatsApp <laughs> <laughs> at all, um, the messages just that they're too ready. I can't keep up with them. This has been this is really nice opportunity to like, engage with the community. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm Kim. I'm the head of marketing at LHI Group. Um, we're a five brand recruitment, recruitment company. Um, we originally were Lawrence Harvey. So Lawrence Harvey is our heritage brand. They're about 18 years old now um in tech now we have piper maddox who's our clean energy brand harrison the built environment business um uh, Light pro is our life sciences business and then we've got xps who's the newest that's our project delivery project delivery arm so um yeah as i handle all of those brands as well as the lhi employer brand so a little bit about me yeah, and I think um, I, I just wanted to clarify before we came on air that it will be interesting to talk about rebrands and different ways to approach rebrands because um, when you first started, like you say, it was just Lawrence Harvey and then I assume someone popped up and thought, oh, we'll do a little bit of life sciences and then the decisions made is, you know, do you create a Lawrence Harvey life sciences to go alongside Lawrence Harvey IT or do you do what you did and, you know, ex expand the brands and things like that? So, um, you know, on, on that kind of note, what is it that, um, why should you do a rebrand from, from your point of view and, and how did it work at Lawrence Harvey? Yeah, so I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So sometimes it's a real people-led decision. Um, and I think at, the, at that point back in, was it 2013 um we actually had Lawrence Harvey Life Sciences um and I think one of their biggest struggles was just sort of differentiating themselves um against the Lawrence Harvey tech brand which was so established we had Lawrence Harvey oil and gas as well just so I found it hard as a marketer coming in and trying to um trying to work with those brands separately oh, sorry my going. you're all right <laughs> oh my god I think the, the the beauty of live webinar in um, love it it's my work phone that i'm pretty sure i can't that's, um, that's someone in the office that's someone in the office knowing that you're on this and they're they're testing it okay. <laughs> right. 
There we go. Work. There we are. Does that happen to anyone else? No, it's good. Uh, where was I? So, yeah, so I think as a marketer, I was really struggling with that because um, it was very, very hard to sort of reach um, the life sciences candidates and clients um, in a particular way when we had exactly the same branding as the um, the technology um, candidates and clients. And it was just really restricting. So, to, to your question, what are the reasons why you should do it? I think, I think there's three kind of reasons why you would or should do a rebrand. And um, first being like a business reason. So... If, for example, there was a sale or you were looking for investment or something like that, um, that could probably prompt um, a rebrand conversation. You might want to to, to look at doing that. Um, probably the most common reason is if your brand is a little bit dated. So that was definitely um, something that happened with us with Lawrence Harvey. Um, you know, you sort of, we joke about it in my team, but you could do a refresh every like two weeks, right? Because your brand is continually becoming dated and um yeah, you want it to constantly be evolving so i imagine that's probably the most common reason and thirdly i suppose if there's been a change um for your brand or for your business like there's a change in direction so that's happened with us a change in direction or um maybe you've had a big growth spurt um and all of a sudden you know you might be in different areas different different doing different services and all of a sudden your old brand doesn't correctly represent what your what your current brand does so i think that would be your main reasons for considering going down that route. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've been down those routes as well where a company has um, probably quite similar to Lawrence Harvey, actually. It was it was a, it was a Eurostaff, so you were automatically held back by having Eurostaff, you know, by operating in, in Europe in that sense. But when you go down the verticals, there's, there is quite a, a big decision just just from an identity point of view as well from from the branding point of view is that you decided to create quite unique identities for for each of each of the brands as well didn't you rather than um you could have still had new names but they they don't kind of retain any any commonality do they through the brands they all are standalone was that a decision a, a decision internally you had to make as well it was, yeah. So um, our our founder, Tom, is, um, I don't know if anybody knows him, but if they do, he's very, very fast-paced. And um, I I didn't, the question was kind of like, should we do this or not? Um, and it was like, should we just, you know, should we just, should we just launch new brands? And it was, it was something where I had to sort of go away, really think about. But just having that experience of trying to market um, to such different and special audiences with a with a, an umbrella band just wasn't working and I felt that um, if we were going to go forward and I knew Tom's vision um, for the business and how he wanted to have all of these different areas I really felt that at that time it was best to do new brands and have real separate identities yeah uh, impact on the workload I can imagine a lot it's a lot more in that sense as well yeah, yeah. I didn't really think about that <laughs> <laughs> Particularly as I was like, I think when I did um, the first one, I was on my own, but my team's not big now. And um, we're all lonely marketers, so you know how much work it is um, running one brand, let alone sort of five and employer brand. So, yeah, in, in retrospect, I didn't think about how much work it was going to be. But I think it works best for our business. Um, I know some, obviously there's loads of businesses who do it really well the other way. Mm. But for our business and the way that we are structured, separate brands and the identities work really well. 
Um, so, so from from making that decision of you're you're going down this route from a from a rebranding perspective um, and a, and and positioning because you know we, we all know that a, a rebrand doesn't just mean a, a change in logo a lot of the time or or a new <laughs> website <laughs> or, or or a new website or anything like that. But what did I don't know your your creative at heart and your design led at heart um from from your background but what did it look like step by step when you went on this rebrand journey or what should it look like generally for you know from your point of view yeah so um i know what you mean about me being sort of a creative at heart and stuff but just to point out i'm i'm definitely not a, i'm not a um, marketing specialist like, I, I i completely identify as being a generalist <laughs> i've been doing recruitment marketing for like 12 years I think it is and um I I've fallen into every bit of skill set I've learned um it's just been a have to learn that so you've got to get on with it um but probably a lot of people can relate to that <laughs> yeah um but definitely design is something that I've probably got most passion for um so for me I I suppose it's a 10-step rule for me when I when I do a brand and um, so I can I can talk you through that yeah good so the, the first thing for me is very, very important is about identifying your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. You know, those people that you've really got to get the true engagement from, um, and they won't like me saying this, but sort of the people that you need to make them think it was their idea. <laughs> um, you know, that might be your CEO, it might be um, members of your board, it might be someone else entirely, a, a head of marketing, something like that. But for me, I'll use Piper Maddox as an example. It was our most recent rebrand. And um, for me, those stakeholders were actually although it was Tom the founder and our CEO Jim but who I really wanted to engage with was the brand leaders so we had at that time two brand leaders who were very very um instrumental in the in the in the sort of growing and building of, of Piper Maddox and so for me it was really important that they were engaged because they were the people that were going to take the brand forward and take it to market they had to believe in it um and I wanted them to be really on board so first step is definitely like identify who those people are um, and have them as in a part of your project a very much fundamental um, parts of it then secondly it's about like putting together a project plan so first thing you need to um, identify is what your deadline is so when are you actually going tomorrow to yeah yeah so tomorrow uh you laugh but the first time i did five matters when we actually um did it i had a two-week uh, lead time on that so and that's that's what I mean about Tom being so fast-paced it's like we're doing this and I had to it two weeks and when I when I look back on the of then to the Pipermatics now it's like you know it, it's hugely different but that is down to the project plan and the fact that I had so many more months um, to work on Pipermatics now than I did originally and, and from a project planning point of view, like you say, is is that a work backwards mentality? It's like, well, this is the deadline of when everything needs to happen. So work backwards from that. Exactly that. So um, I work from a launch date backwards. So, you know, we'll, we'll decide that when whatever Tom or Jim needs um, from a business perspective and they need that to go live. I'll just work with my team and my project backwards from that. Did, did, did you feel like you had to, or, or just on that digging into that, did you feel like you had to make sacrifices in that? It, like if it's a lot, a little bit shorter, was there things that you, you would have liked to have done um, but didn't do and they and they fell into that classic phase two and phase three of, uh, yeah. of it, yeah? 
Yeah, definitely. I, particularly with a two-week project, um, you know, nothing was done how I wanted it to be. But but yeah, the more the more realistic projects that we've done, um, there has definitely been sacrifices. There, there's been things where um, Lewis, who's um, my sort of um, two IC, I've sort of said to him, I know we really really want to get you know this hundred percent, but for now it's I always say it's got to be a nine. It can't be a ten. Like we've just got to get this. You know, so maybe it might be something on the website or some pages that we couldn't that we couldn't necessarily launch at that point or anything like that. Um, th there's been bits and bobs like that, but to be honest, we've managed particularly. Um, we did everything to, to to project deadline, so it was it was okay. Cool. Well, after the project um, plan number three. Yeah. So next year, I suppose it's about. Um, engaging um with your project team early so your rebrand team so you know we're all lonely marketers right so the majority of us are working on our own um but you might have a little team or a small team or, 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 or a bigger team but i'm talking about like the wider team so if that's your it team your business services team or support function if it's your hr team whatever it is that all the people that need to know about what's going on because that could be for it for example the little things like they're going to need to update your signatures, your email signatures, for example, or, you know, your, your business services people, they might need to know that there's going to be a new seat, new cover sheet that's going to need to go on the CRM or whatever those things might be. Terms and conditions, invoices, everything. Yeah, your finance team, you know, all the things that, that they have, that, you know, they're invoicing or their, you know, various spreadsheets, or everything that has your logo or your branding on it needs updating, right? So that's like a big... Excel. You've got your own little. <laughs> that's, out, that's outside. That is like kids screaming outside. That's all right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So you know all those little things you've really, really got to be considerate of. And I think the key is bringing those people in early on because I have definitely made the mistake before where people have been out of the loop and then I've almost been a bit. Um, I swear, annoyed that um, <laughs> that they're not in the loop and that they, they you know, that they're having to work quickly now because you didn't give them enough notice. And so, and fair enough. So I think it's that's really important. Um, the next one's about then. I personally do workshops, so this is with um, internal people, so your consultants, um, your operations staff, whoever it might be. Um, to like understand your the current perception of your brand so how people feel about it now you might ask a load of different questions um we don't need to go through them but you know just understanding how people think and feel about your current brand and then you get an idea of you know the kind of changes that people might actually want to see made as well so that's a really good thing to do also you know i'm not teaching people to suck eggs um but you know survey your market you know talk to your customers talk to your candidates about it well you know how do they see the brand? Is it well known? What do they like? What, do they, what don't they like? All that kind of stuff. Um, next thing is you've got to do your competitor analysis, of course. So if you're thinking about a rebrand, a refresh, or just creating a new brand, you definitely want to look at your competitors because I think I've got some amazing competitors out there on our brands, you know, brilliant recruitment companies. It's so easy to stay in your bubble, isn't it? You know, so, I, I, you know I think we're all guilty of it sometimes, especially like you say, in fast paced environments is we just, we focus on the job at hand and we, you know, we stay in that lane and we go and it's amazing just taking, you know, a couple of hours a week to step back to get yeah. some inspiration, if anything. And you learn so much from other people. Um, and I think don't, 
don't underestimate how 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 good your competitors are and some things that they're doing and and also don't be arrogant about about not wanting to look at what everyone else is doing and take inspiration from them because that's that's ridiculous so um yeah do that then my next point would be similar to that but look outside of recruitment i think that's one of the probably the biggest um issues that that we have is that that um I think quite a lot of recruitment companies look like a lot of other recruitment companies. Yeah, swap, um, out, swap out the logo and it's exactly uh, the same company, yeah. And so I think for us, it, I was really, really keen on looking at other industries, um, retail and tech and in the entertainment industry, all, all sorts of different um, industries to get further creative inspiration. Because I think you could be a bit stifled by what's the norm mm. in the industry and what people are used to seeing. Um, and I don't think you need to go down that route. I think you can be creative. Um, we've certainly tried with some of our brands. Um, and so I think outside your bubble, as you said. Um, then you get into the really meaty stuff. So once you, that's, I guess, your research and you're setting up stage. Um, then the next most important one, I suppose, is, is, is that's bringing back your stakeholders and getting them in... Um, in workshops. So for Piper Maddox, as I said, our stakeholders were our two brand leaders. Um, and so I flew out to New York, I went out there with um, James Ash, who's our chairman, but um, James also, some of some of the people here listening might know him, he's also like got a wealth of um, branding experience inside recruitment and outside recruitment. So he's, you know, incredibly valuable. And he, he actually um, did the sessions with me, which was really good, my last one. So we went out to New York, um, we spent two days with um, the Piper Mallets guys and it was intense. And I think what you've got to do if you do this with anyone is you have to warn them and you have to prepare them that this is completely a zone for no recruitment. They turn off their phones, that's really difficult <laughs> to say to salespeople. Like you turn off your phones, you have to be completely present. You know, this is a, it's a creative environment um, and that's a really, really hard thing for them to grasp, first of all. But if you can get them to grasp it and you get their attention, it's really, really valuable. So the stakeholder workshops for me are probably like the most important part of this whole process. I split them into two sections. So um, with Piper Maddox, guys, I, the first one is, is all about um, building the profile of the brand. So... Um, I just feel a bit silly saying this to a load of marketers because um, it might seem a bit basic. Um, they wouldn't be joining if they didn't think they were yeah. going to learn something. No, no, right. So it might seem a bit basic, but building the profile of the brand. So I'm asking them things like, um, and this is to sort of get their creative juices going as well. So I'm asking them questions like, what kind of animal is Piper Maddox? What kind of sports team are, well, if we were a sports team, what would we be? If we were a film, what would it be? All of these kind of questions. If we were a car, what would we be? I think that's um, great. I, I, it, it's something off that is, you know, to to use something I've used before is these. It's the personality sliders. Is like you have, you have. Um, I don't know, like a Nokia at, at one end, which is like a traditional phone brand, and then you have maybe like Samsung now is like, well, where on the scale? are you and you go from yeah like a microsoft or a red bull like to a rebel stuff i think i think it's a brilliant yeah. exercise that yeah 
and it's and it's it's, it's amazing how these little because um, you got to remember that you're not talking to marketers, you're not talking to creative people. You're talking well, they are creative, but you know what I mean, traditionally creative. Um, you're talking to to, to salespeople, and so you have to really strip it back and 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 help them be creative and help you know really draw that out of them. So by using simple questions like that, it really helps. And we at the, probably the best question is um, for me was if Piper Maddox was a person, mm-hmm. like, who would they be? What would they look like? What we actually like, created this person? What clothes would they wear? What is their political standpoint? What what things do they care about? What is their family like? What's their background like? Where do they come from? Where do they go on holiday? And we probably did th- we did this for hours with these guys, and they were you know they got really into it to the point now where. Um, and JP, they will say to me, oh, no, I, I don't think Piper Maddox would do that. Or they would say, yeah, Piper, yeah, that, that is Piper Maddox. That is. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're identifying the brand with, with like a person. It sort of helps them to conceptualise it. In a and way. All, all, the best brand, all the best brands do do that, don't they, outside of, outside of recruitment? You, yeah. you, know, you go, oh, that's not very whatever it is, it, it, yeah. you know. And otherwise, otherwise it, yeah, other, otherwise, um, and, you know, it's what, it's what we suffer from, what we try and avoid as marketers, is just vanilla where, you know, if, if anything, the worst thing is when nobody has an opinion or, or doesn't care or, or, you know, put shit either way, is it? You want someone to be passionate and be able to say, Oh no, that definitely is us, or that definitely isn't us. Rather than, eh, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those kind of exercises really do help with that. Um, and what they probably didn't realise at the time, well, you, you guys will realise, is that when you're asking them, you know, what um, what clothes do they wear, when they're coming back and saying, or we're deciding what clothes they wear, I'm thinking colours, I'm thinking tone, I'm thinking even language from that. I'm 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 building up this. These, this image in my mind of what you know what it's going to look like just from what they're talking about their, how they're talking about their clothes so it's actually really valuable for you as much as it is it is for them mm. and then I suppose the second part of that is the um, design elements so I did one day of that and then this, the second part was before I went out to New York I'd done a lot of um, like competitor analysis and all that kind of research and so I had a lot to show them so I showed them a lot of other businesses showed them a lot of um, a lot of brands outside of recruitment and we did analysis on those brands so n- not what didn't they like but what what wasn't right for our new brand so we didn't want to be negative about anything because there's always great stuff in any brand you can pick out good stuff whether it be a color or a logo or the way they use an asset or something you know what did they like and then what wasn't quite right for our brand and from that day that's really valuable because you come back with all of this you know Normally, it's aligned with what you're feeling as well, because you're kind of coaching them through that. Um, and you come back with this whole mood board in your head of, of, of how this new brand's going to look. So that leads me on to the, I think we're on the eighth point now, yeah, um, yeah, which is your mood board. So after you've done all of that, you're going you're gonna to be able to go away and create your mood board, um, which is your concept idea. So it's your colours and your assets and your imagery and your tone of voice and um everything to do with to do with how your brand feels um and feels to a customer and looks um and so alongside that and i suppose this um number nine is the logo so you don't obviously as you know you don't always change your logo if you're doing a rebrand or refresh it's not always necessary it's not always wanted 
is probably the scariest thing to challenge um, other than the name. <laughs> so don't always want to do that, but we certainly did with Piper Maddox because it, it was actually something that came along through the process. We realised we wanted to change it. We didn't initially want to change it, but as the brand was growing, I thought this logo doesn't look right anymore. It, it needs to evolve. It needs to be slicker, you know. So I actually went along that lines of, of, of doing logo. And you need to think about if you're going to do that internally, if you've got the skill set to do that, or if you're going to engage with a designer. So um, the earlier that you can uh, think about the logo, the better, really, because obviously designers need a certain amount of lead time and you're going to need to do all that stuff with them. But you're going to need a concept and a mood board to give them anyway. Um, we we have done, I've done a couple of logos internally, but the majority of our logos have actually been done by um, Blue Lime Design. And um, that's because for Piper Maddox, uh, the icon, we wanted something really specific, I wanted something really slick. And it was just outside my skill set. Mm -hmm. I wanted something better. So I went for a designer. Um, um, and the number 10 is presenting your ideas back to, to, to those stakeholders, which is like so nerve wracking. And um, probably the scariest part of my, my job, I think, because once you've spent, you know, two weeks, however long you want to spend on it, creating that concept, um, to then, like, hand it over and say, this is, you're almost like, this is me on a plate, this is what I've, this is what I've created, this is what well, I suppose I it's not, isn't it? For people who do feel nervous about that, and I'm sure you've mm -hmm. realised this, is that if you've taken all of those steps that you've said is that it it isn't you it isn't on yeah, you is it it's a it's a combination of everyone's kind of yeah. ideas and inputs if you've done it correctly yeah yeah absolutely i still think you feel a bit nervous though yeah no, i think it's natural because what you're doing is you're taking what what you think people want and that's where i was getting the most nervous. i was thinking i hope i've done this right for you mm. because you've you know you've you've trusted me and we've done all of this work together and i hope i've got this right for you um what I would say, though, with presenting ideas back is just make sure that when you do that, just remember that you are normally presenting to not marketers, not designers. You are presenting that salespeople. Make it as slick as possible. Like, make it look so good that they are so impressed with what you've done that, that you know, you're, you're almost like you're blinding them by it because it's harder for them to, to see the con to like think conceptually about, about it. So you need to like lay it out. So I did things like, we mocked up what the website was gonna look like, even down to business cards, we had mock-ups. So the most important marketing thing oh, ever. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, they needed to see that stuff to really, to really understand what I was gonna deliver in a few months time. Mm. So my, my question my question on, some, on something like this is that you obviously you nailed this in internally you you did this internally there are there's agencies and other routes that that someone could have handled that for you and you know it would have been probably tens of thousands of pounds to be honest to go through that that kind of process was was that ever an option or was it like look we can do this internally um i always think it's on the table for me so i always think that um you know the board would always I think support me if I'd said I wanted to um, engage with an outsourced company. Um, but I also think they have the confidence in me and they sort of, they almost sort of expect that I can do this internally. Um, if the question is sort of, you know, can people do this internally? They absolutely can. Um, I really, I, I really think can. I think what we've got um, as a unique offering as a 
recruitment marketer is that most of us are really multi-skilled, right? That's what we're talking about. Most people just had to do mm. from running events to designing collateral to, you know, designing a website to running the SEO. Like everybody has to kind of have so many strings to their bow. And I think we absolutely can do this internally, but I am not arrogant enough to say that it is a replacement or a substitute for those um, specialist branding companies and those specialist designers because those guys are true experts and they really are. And the quality of, 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 of what you deliver, I imagine, would be a hell of a lot better if you had engaged with those people because they are specialists. But if you haven't got the budget for that and you haven't got the, um, you know, the green light from, from whoever your stakeholders are, then it's down to you. And yeah and do it internally yeah just follow kim's uh 10-step plan easy easy peasy and i think yeah i think i think ultimately as well you you have you you can't do everything internally and you wouldn't have you you didn't actually build the websites in, internally and things like oh, that okay. so and, um, and stuff or, that's the other thing so that's part of your project plan as well right you know you have to talk to your website developers because that's going to need a whole different project timeline and um, they're going to be waiting on your concepts before they can deliver stuff. So, yeah, it's, you're never just doing it on your own, not really. Yeah. Uh, what about um, the the pitfalls of, of doing this? Was there, you know, especially with Laure with the Lawrence Harvey thing, was there a point of just going, oh, you know, we shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z uh, or, or anything? I think um, I think it's really easy to, to always, like, think retrospectively and um you know, should we have done it like this? Should we have just stuck to Lawrence Harvey? Because I know I know a number of times Thomas said to me, maybe we should just go back to Lawrence Harvey. This is way back when. Um, because it, cause Lawrence Harvey had the biggest um, brand presence that, that we were known in the market. And I think it was quite difficult for the other brands to, to launch, right? And so that can be a pitfall because you're setting up a new, you're basically setting up a new company. Um, pitfalls of rebrands though i suppose timing plays a massive part because i mean i dread to think if i planned well i kind of was planning we're doing a refresh on site pro but doing that and it being the start of lockdown or when this happened i mean that would have been a disaster right um so timing plays a big big part of it i think another thing that people potentially could do wrong is like doing a rebrand for the sake of it mm. so this hasn't happened to me, but it definitely has happened to people that I know. Probably going back to your, one of your parts of it, if the sole reason is, you know, there's a couple of people who just think we haven't done it in a couple of years. Let's exactly. just do it for the sake of it. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like, you know, like a new CEO comes on board or a new head of marketing and they want to make their stamp. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the red or something. <laughs> no. yeah. Too green. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's I mean. That's happened to people that I know in the past, and they've done it for the sake of it. it hasn't been needed, um, and also like the consultants as well. Like you shouldn't underestimate the effect of any kind of like rebrand on the consultants and their business. Any change, any change, full stop, isn't any it? Yeah. Change. And that's not a negative um, thing towards them. I don't mean that. I mean you know we can detrimentally affect their business if we don't do things right. Um, I believe, and so like. like an example of that is my first ever um, marketing job. Um, I worked for a really well-known, like very well-established, not big, but you know, really well-known in the market, finance and accountancy um, recruitment brand. And 
very quickly after I joined the marketing team, we were we were bought out by a much bigger corporate. Um, again, not not massive, but a big Australian business, and they. Although our brand was really well known, we probably weren't the best looking brands. Our logo was a bit dated, and our imagery was a bit dated. You know, um, and rightly so, they wanted to rebrand us because they they did have a slicker looking brand, and. It, it was a good project to be a part of. I was an assistant at the time. It was a really good project to be a part of. But um, looking back on it, there are definitely things that I think we probably didn't do um, the best. Um, so there was a lot of when we, we did a two-stager, we, we did the, we did like a soft rebrand where we were talking about the company as part of a, the company of, so Wittendudding, a company of, which we did for a bit. We didn't do it for long enough, if I'm honest. Then we went full whack and changed everything, logo, colours, everything. So we were a brand new company. And um, the consultants were phoning us, begging us to put the old logo on CVs, like begging us, like, please, people won't talk to me. They don't know who we are. And that was in part, in big part, our fault because we hadn't communicated enough to our customers. We hadn't given it enough time. We hadn't taken enough care over it. Perhaps we had, you know, um, let the pressures of whoever get to us and so we, we'd rush that project. And, and probably, <laughs> you know, it's, it, although it probably was an excuse on some parts of the consultants, it, it you kind of created them to allow that to, yeah. the, the process created that excuse for them, is you Absolutely. want to try and eliminate those excuses, don't you, in everything yeah. that you do in the lead up to it? Whereas, I mean, I know it's not the same, but whereas the difference between my Piper Maddox um, consultants and the um, you know, the response that we've had to our rebrand from them has been like completely contrasting because they love it and they were bought into it and the way that I'd um, released it to them before I released it to anybody else and, and you know, it's much better for them. They, 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 they get more from it, they feel more professional, all that kind of stuff. But if it's not what they wanted and if you haven't communicated them, if you haven't brought them in the loop with it and you just throw it on them, I think it can actually have a real detrimental effect. Um, yeah. I don't want that. No, I agree. I just wanted to, um, I, I didn't have this on the agenda, Kim, sorry. I, I hope I don't catch you too, too left field here. Um, but I think when I, when I was looking at a, a few bits before, before we joined, I, I wanted to look at the XPS uh, brand in particular, because that's more of a, a product offering I, I like from the business and i think a lot of recruitment businesses are are thinking about going down that route is you know and i think recruitment seems to be going that way um was that something that again was being offered as part of the other brands like project delivery and then just switched out yeah so xps is a really good example actually um that was one of those conversations that we had and i'm really lucky that um the stakeholders in our business respect me um, in, in my position and and do take my advice. And, uh, you know, Jim said to me, should we be doing this as a part of Lawrence Harvey, as a, as, a, as a project delivery arm, or should we do it as a new brand? And I suppose the question that I asked him was, is it always going to be for Lawrence Harvey? Or are we going to do this across all our brands? He was like, well, you know, hopefully across everything. I said, well, look, let's just... Let's just do it as a new brand. And I did. I, I had. I obviously did a lot of research, and there was there was some people that were doing it as arms, and some people that were doing it as um, as new brands. And I made the decision to go down that route. And uh, I think the the feedback that we've had from clients has been really positive. Um, 
XP works very, very well with Lawrence Harvey, the way that it is now it is now set up. One of the issues with setting up something like XPS is that um, you almost don't want it to look like it's attached to recruitment. So you need to have that, you need to have that differentiator. You need to have it have it um, nice and separate. So that was part of the, the decision as well to make a, a whole new brand. But XPS yeah. was one that we did in, entirely internally. Um, yeah. Oh really? What web website and everything? Yeah, uh, no, 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 sorry, the okay. website, but um, it was a, um, you know what I mean, a clone website of one of our, okay. um, but I mean the, the the design, the logo, the everything, we didn't we didn't outsource anything, um, and it was done uh, in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh, that was a two-week, and I, I think, you know, because of the offering and the way you communicate, you the communicate the offering in it being more productized, I, I, I assume it is, is very different to, to doing anything for any of the other more you know in inverted commas traditional recruitment brands it's really different and we, and um and we do treat it differently but i'm being entirely honest with you i'm still learning all about that because i've done 12 years in recruitment and i'm one of those weirdos who's like a recruitment gig i love recruitment um yeah me and you <laughs> um so you know this is completely it, it is different and i'm learning we've got a fantastic um uh, head of the, the the business who heads up that business, Nick, and um, he's teaching me all the time uh, on how to how to actually sell that um, business because, I mean, you'll know when you're a multi brand company anyway, you have to learn so many different industries and you have to learn that all the languages and all the things terminology and it's really difficult. Let alone a delivery uh, function which is completely is completely different. So I'm still learning. Yeah, um, you, you you touched upon it actually in one of your you know when you were speaking a bit earlier about you know you'd hate to have to do something like this like a rebrand in in lockdown. But is it a good time to to actually like start thinking about it potentially, even if it's just getting the you know the various pillars in place to be able to to do it right? Yeah, I mean it's not for me to tell people when they should when they should do it. It's obviously a, it's 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 all down to what your business needs, um, I suppose. We are, as I say, still going through our um, brand refresh for Cypro because it, it really needs it. The business has moved on so much. We've grown, we're in different areas, we do different stuff. We need what do, what do, so a, a rebrand versus a refresh, what does a, you know, what does a refresh have? Or no, what does a rebrand have that a refresh doesn't? I think that's the right way around. Yeah, so so Pipermatix for us was a complete rebrand. So everything changed, even you know, down to our strap line, our, our proposition. Everything changed. We want we were a brand new business as such. So um, it's completely unrecognisable. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's followed through. A refresh for us will be um, for Cypro. We'll be looking at the kind of imagery that we're using, um, just the way that we're going to market. We'll we'll probably. Um, evolve our color palette um our assets will change um we'll leave the logo it'll be things like that so it's more i think refresh sums it up quite well it's, it's like a facelift it's um yeah. rather than having a, a full michael jackson <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a little eye pin <laughs> it, it's, it's like those um you know when someone tells you oh google have changed their logo and you're like what what what's happened what yeah what's happened but the, I suppose the difference is is that someone like Google or a brand refresh will spend a billion pound or something, and and you're boot, bootstrapping it with with what you've got internally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we did a we did a Lawrence Harvey refresh. I um, mean, 
2016, no, 17, sorry. Um, and that was, you know, the logo stayed the same and we, we pretty much, but we did quite a big refresh. We changed all, our imagery was so dated. In fact, we, we're probably going to look at doing a bit of a refresh um, soon. But um, that was a bigger refresh. I think, think refreshes can be a little tweak to a logo, a little, you know, an expansion on some colours or, or something like that, or it can be a, it can be closer to a rebrand. Um, mm just whatever you think your business needs. Cool. Um, I promise to add it onto the agenda. What what uh, <laughs> what goat news have you got during lockdown? As a, you know, I, I think we shared a couple of WhatsApp messages about inviting goats onto family Zoom calls and things like that. But, I'm so um, disappointed that there's not a goat on this one. Yeah, I, I didn't have time to grab one from the local farm. Just just for a bit of context, um, if if anyone listened to a Lonely Marketers episode, probably for about a year, it's, yeah, probably a year ago, maybe maybe longer, where I had Kim on, um, we we spoke about how she how she really loves goats. Um, uh, so I, I said I'd, I'd bring it into this webinar, but yeah, but it's been disappointing on the goat front during lockdown, has it? Yeah, it has been to be honest, because my uh, beloved goat sanctuary. Um, buttercups if you want to look it up and donate any money um has been closed so they've been um desperately uh trying to get some money together because there was a time when they were actually gonna um it was all gonna it was gonna go and 150 goats were gonna be uh probably put down so um we've been, we've been trying to raise money for that so um yeah Look it up uh, and what a note to uh, to end the webinar on. Uh, people have been quiet today, but I can imagine, you know, that this has been one of the most um, kind of practical um, webinars that we've done over the past, I don't know, I've, I've lost count, five weeks now, six weeks or whatever it's been. I think those, um, you know, those 10 step rules and everything like that is, is, is invaluable for anyone. Um, I'm sure if anyone's thinking about it or on that journey and they're not already connected to you, just jump on LinkedIn and um, and search you out, yeah? Yeah, I would just say, you know, like lonely marketers, we are all, all a bit lonely and um, it's a challenge and it's daunting when you're taking on a project like this. So, um, yeah, just reach out. I'm very, very happy to, to be a support system for it. <laughs> cool. Um, so later this week, um, we've got video stuff with, uh, with Billy Humphreys from MRL, so I hope to see you there. Thank you for the the twenty odd who joined live. Um, if you're watching on a replay, thank you very much. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you again. Um, but we're done and dusted for another episode. Thank you, Kim. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye.